0: Hey there everyone and welcome back to a very special bonus episode of the Water Trio Astrology Park podcast. I'm here with my dear friends and colleagues Alicia and Cassandra and we are taking a look at the charts of two people that have been getting a lot of media attention uh so far this year, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. So I know that you gals have been receiving questions about these charts. I've been getting questions about these charts. So we thought for our first uh, uh, extra new style episode, we would take a bit of a look at the charts of Megan and Harry and just see what's going on astrologically for each of them. So we're going to start with Megan Michael's chart. I'm going to pull that up on the screen so we can have a look at that as we go. And I think, Cass, you've got a few thoughts that you want to share about that chart to get us started.
1: For sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. So... We've got Megan Markle um, up on the screen. So the birth data is there in the center of the chart if anybody wants to uh, take note of that. Um, I guess the first thing I notice when I look at her chart is that there's only one planet above the horizon, and that's Mars. And so, um, you know, if we cut the chart in half, thank you, Kel, from the Ascendant Descendant Axis. As described, today. (laughs) Thank you. And, um, You know, and she's born at night uh, and this is the only planet. Of course, the nodes are there, but um, that sort of doesn't count. Um, But, yeah, we've got Mars. And so Mars is the ruler of her midheaven. Um, And so, you know, we could sort of say that obviously the career part for her is obviously, uh, you know, Well, I guess there's a few ways we can look at it. Maybe like, you know, a really like central focus for her. Maybe it's where she likes to be the most visible. Um, And it's obviously, you know, Mars, you know, poking its head up over the Ascendant there does have a lot to say. Um, It's in the first house. It's in its position where it's not happy there. It's in its, technically speaking, it's in its fall. Um, she's born at night. So, you know, Mars is, you know, not as bad as it could be when we're looking at some of the qualities around sect. And so, uh, Mars rules the, the midheaven and it also rules her fifth house. So we might look at this as, uh, you know, some, you know, two houses that are going to have central importance to her or a level of, uh, you know, where she's going to, you know, take charge or really be, um, you know, wanting to be more visible, as I mentioned before. Um, So that's probably one of the first things that I would notice about her chart, um, is just that Mars poking up out of over the Ascendant. So um then of course you know we would look to the moon you know the moon being the ruler of the ascendant and we can see it there it's in the fourth house and so she's one of those people in the early 80s born under the saturn jupiter conjunction there so we can see the ruler of her ascendant being the moon in libra and the ruler of her seventh house of course we can't ignore the seventh house because it's all about her marriage and her husband right now um and so that is in the our fourth house there too, sandwiched together. Okay. So this sort of like on on face value sort of is telling us, okay, well, obviously the ruler of our ascendant, uh, and the ruler of the seventh house, you know, relationships are going to be really important to her or influential to her or the partners that she pulls in. So let's look at the partners she's pulled in this time. Okay. So he's kind of famous. Um, and so what we can see there is that uh, she's pulling in great partners. You know, she's got uh, Saturn is in the exalted position in um, Libra there. So she's pulled in a prince. You know, it's a pretty exalted uh, demonstration of what an exalted seventh house ruler can bring, <laughs> of course. You know, it's a pretty uh, exceptional example, of course. Um, and But what we can also see there that, you know, that Mars does aspect that And then the career does oppose that. So we can sort of see how, you know, that may be a little bit bit of a play out there. It's like this push-pull-tug thing between maybe some of her own desires, her professional desires, and then, of course, the relationship as well. So there's a lot of technical things there as well there um, to consider as well. Um, And maybe I've talked enough, so I thought I might throw it over to you, Kel, if you want to kind of, because I know we've talked a lot about you know, this fourth house is very busy um, with that stellium there in um, the fourth house. So,
0: Yeah, no, thanks, Cass, and you're 100% right. There is so much going on here and all I'm going to do is just build on what you said because everything that you were saying is absolutely fantastic and exactly what I would say if I was looking at this chart. Um, the moon being the ruler of the first is pushing onto or applying to the ruler of the seventh and so that sort of as an indication that the person keeps coming towards relationships or that they can meet new partners relatively easily. Um, The one extra technical feature I'd add in, and this might be what you were alluding to, Cass, around Saturn. So in this chart, we've got a Capricorn descendant. Mm Ruled by Saturn. So, Saturn is going to describe the types of partners. Saturn's exalted in Libra, but Saturn is also what's known as the out of sect malefic or the contrary to sect malefic in this chart. And this is a real contradiction in terms of Saturn being exalted, indicates usually high quality or high caliber individuals in our lives. And then the out-of-sect malefic can often indicate potential problems or areas of tension and discord in our life. And so here we sort of see both the caliber of partner, but also the level of tension or discord that Meghan Markle's partners can sometimes bring into her life. And whether it's the partner themselves or circumstances around the partner, um, of course, that, you know, we can sort of uh, play around with those ideas. But it definitely looks like she, Moon ruled moon with the ascendant in cancer, is very focused on her partner and wants to move towards her partner, but there are complications there. Um, I'm keeping this interpretation really focused on the current situation because, of course, we could look a lot into Megan's backstory and see other expressions of this as well.
1: Yeah, totally. what,
0: yeah, so there's so much there. One of the other features I like is, you know, this really is that triple conjunction with the Moon, Saturn and Jupiter And that sort of pulls in the topics of the ninth house, uh, Mm -hmm. where Jupiter rules Pisces, and also the sixth house. But we sort of see a really clear expression with the ninth house here that the partner is someone who is from a different country. The partner is also someone who's from a different religious background. And for Megan to go forward in this relationship, certainly at least initially, there was an indication that she would be looking to take up British citizenship. She did relocate, uh, you know, for a period of time and will potentially still spend time in England going forward. Um, But there was also a religious shift that had to happen for their marriage to take place in the Church of England as well. And so there's a lot of that energy there. yeah, I don't know. I, now I'm having the same feeling. Cass is like, oh, we're talking for too
1: long. Um
0: do you want <laughs> I to jump guess the- in? Or Cass, do you have extra things you want to say Yeah, just one point? little
1: thing I think that's kind of like worthwhile mentioning, you know, bringing in these, you know, so obviously we look to the ninth with Jupiter being part of that grouping down in the fourth and the sixth. And she's also in this instance brought in a partner, a husband, um, where I guess in some ways she would have been um, – in, you know there's a level of service that was expected uh, mm-hmm. as being a part of you know the sixth house being a house of service or or slavery or um, you know having to dedicate oneself to perhaps what might would have been a lesser position than what she, Felt she wanted or, you know, it's like once she got in the castle, it was like, oh, this is just duty or sort of subordinacy or what have you. So we can see how that sixth house, also ruled by Jupiter, brought in that uh, that tie in with the overseas partner as well.
0: Yeah, great point, Cass. Yeah, because there is a real sense of dedicating yourself to that larger goal, like serving daily for that larger mission or purpose which i guess Mm. is basically the mission of the british royal family
2: yeah Um, yeah the royal family are literally servants to the nation yeah and that's the sixth house denotes servants so yeah Yeah. absolutely
0: so it's a very uh it's a very important um alignment in her chart i think um and it's a great example of you know that kind of mixed bag planet in the chart you know i think. When, I'm, when I teach off this chat, I often think, so most of us won't marry a prince, but, you know, having an exalted planet ruling the seventh can indicate that you attract a partner who has stability or financial security or has a level of success of some kind connected to them. And that can look different, you know, in different ways in different countries. But, you know, there are sort of those definitions. But, If it is also your out-of-sect malefic that rules the seventh house, there can be a complicating factor or three that, you know, sometimes you decide just to tolerate it, like this person's a great fit for me and they just have this one bad habit that I don't like. Other times the complications are larger and more substantial that you might need to take a stand with. Um, So anything else that we want to say on Megan's chart? I know we haven't looked at the whole chart. We're just sort of picking out some of the main features. But for uh, time purposes, I thought we should move to Harry. But I wanted to make sure like you guys both had a chance to say what you want to say here.
2: I think the only thing I'd pick up is the fact that the fourth house is is the private house. It's the private versus the public life. And, you know, what marrying a prince entailed is that their romance and their relationship was very much in the public eye. And so how uncomfortable that would have felt for her. You know, she would have wanted to actually keep things private, behind closed doors, but having it portrayed and splashed across the UK media. And, you know, the UK media, especially when it comes to the royalty, are not kind. No. You know, there's stories literally of people walking in front of Diana and saying horrible things to her to try to get a rise out of her. So then they could get a photo of her face and I can imagine the same happened to Megan. Um, and as well, you know, just the fact that that Venus in the third house there rules that fourth house, rules that moon, rules that Saturn and that Jupiter, you know, she wants to stay close to things. She wants to be in her neighborhood, things that she is comfortable with, um, things that are local to her. So, you know, being in this position where she's thrown into a foreign country, a foreign culture, a a foreign power, wouldn't have felt as comfortable to her as possible. So yeah, that's, that's the things I'd bring up.
1: Yeah, crackless. adding to the level of discomfort. Yeah, exactly. Let adding to that level of discomfort is that Venus doesn't aspect that, so she doesn't offer any support. Mm-hmm. So she's in a um, not a great she's condition. In, she's in. Yeah, she's in. A, it's Venus is in a fall and in aversion oh. to those fourth house planets too. So there's um, you know a little bit of dis- more discomfort there as well. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, okay. Harry now, I guess, a little yes. bit, of, little
0: bit of hazard. Who would like to ginger, start the conversation on the ginger prince. prince, Harry, while I get the chart going?
2: Well, you know, this is another um, chart that has the out-of-sect malefic playing out in it strongly, um, you know, just from a a career standpoint. Um, you know, we've got the Mars being the out-of-sect malefic ruling that Scorpio Midheaven there in the 11th house. So, you know, he's very much someone whose career, because it falls in the 11th house, also includes 11th house activities, which is the greater good, the community, you know, larger groups, which definitely his royal f- role fits in. But that Mars is there in the 12th house. It doesn't express in, a, in an easy way. It's quite a private Mars. It's one that does want retreat and does want escape. So the fact that he's stepping back from his role and He's saying, actually, in many ways, I never felt comfortable with doing this role. Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, that's one of the kind of the first. I, I think that you know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he's he's stepping back from this amazing position of power. Why would he want to do that? But to him, it's not. It's it's an area that feels uncomfortable because he's got this twelfth house Mars ruling that. Um, that's kind of, you know, in terms of what's going on right now one of the important things and the fact that as well looking at the his chart being ruled by that saturn conjunct the midheaven he's destined to be in that role it's like who he is is very much a part of what he has to do. But, you know, Saturn is about duty. Saturn is about responsibility. Saturn is about restriction in many ways. So there is that sense when he's out there and doing what he has to do as a prince, this this role he feels like he was born into. Um, it's holding him back and it's not being really who he wants to be. So, yeah, that was where I'd start that. Have you guys got anything to add in? Cat? Oh, so many things. You go first, yeah. <laughs> um, there's So many things there, isn't there? So many things, yeah.
0: I mean, Harry shares this Capricorn ascendant with Saturn in Scorpio conjunct the MC configuration with the Queen. So Queen Elizabeth II has exactly the same thing, Capricorn rising, Saturn in Scorpio on the MC. And there is a real sense of, like, dedication and duty that goes towards that. Uh, One of the ways I've interpreted Harry's um, MC ruler, Mars, in the 12th, is that the types of work that he maybe enjoys the most or feels most called towards or passionate about um, are a combination of the Mars Sag 12th house, Uh, his work in the military which mm-hmm. he did really enjoy. And I, I mean, I've been reading the internet about Meghan and Harry, of course, because I love a little bit of a royal story. And I didn't realise, but he was on a tour of duty in Afghanistan and he was pulled out because of a security risk. And Mm -hmm. I don't – the article I was reading sort of went to say that he never quite got over not being able to go as far as he wanted to in the military Mm -hmm. uh, because of his position in the royal family. That's what – it wasn't – I don't think it was a security risk for all the troops. It was just, you know, him being a Mm -hmm. higher value target. Um, But what Harry's done is he then parlayed that into – this uh, Olympic Games style event called the Invictus Games where it's designed for, it's a sporting event for uh, wounded veterans, so people who've served in the military and the armed forces around the world, and they come together, you know, every couple of years for these sporting tournaments, which seems like a really fitting expression of Mars, you know, the the Mars in the 12th, like the wounded hero or the wounded warrior, thinking about the 12th house being, you know, having themes of isolation or restriction or even marginalization is sometimes how we can see that type of placement. Uh, We do also, well, not, I should say everybody does, I've started to connect the 12th house as well to some topics to do with mental health type symptoms and experiences and having Mars there would show a disturbed quality especially when Mars is the out-of-sect malefic and Harry's also been very vocal and outspoken about his own mental health struggles but also um, sort of supporting his brother to a certain extent because they both have these sort of tricky Mars placements tied to career for each of them. They both actually have Scorpio mid-heavens and they're both day charts. So they both have these out-of-sect malefic ruled mid-heavens and both of them have talked about wanting to create space, particularly for men, to talk about mental health matters. So I I think there are things that he's trying to do that um, are meaningful for him but might go against that Saturnian sort of family expectation or the towing the line, if you like. Um, One of the other features that I love in Harry's chart is he is descendant in Cancer. Um, It's ruled by a very strongly placed moon in Taurus, which is on the ice scene in the fifth house. And that can be an indication of someone who desperately wants stability in their relationship life or wants longevity, and also who really values having children as part of a relationship when the ruler of the seventh is in the fifth. What adds some intensity and potential for complications for Harry, of course, is having the Moon and the North Node there in the same sign, that to get what he really wants, there may be breaks with the past or breaks with tradition. Uh, And so You know, generally speaking, this is kind of a a nice 7th house ruler placement, except there's just like there's a twist or there is uh, maybe an unexpected demand placed with that north node there on the moon. So it is quite interesting to me that Harry has spoken over the years about wanting to step away and keep that lower profile. I don't think that's a new request for him, but it's interesting for me that he's really pushed for it now after, you know, marrying and having his first child. I think that's somehow the fact that he's now got a child and he's doing this, I think, pulls on some of those themes of wanting to create that calm Moon in Taurus fifth house experience for his own children.
2: Yeah, and I think as well that Moon in the fifth really speaks to his romantic image with, you know, he he really was the playboy in many ways, you know, for him doing relationships was about pleasure, you know, getting into that fun space with people. And he got himself in quite a lot of hot water with that. Yes. Um, so, you know, that kind of talks to that moon in Taurus too. And he was very private about that, even with his past relationship with um, Chelsea Davies. He did. Yeah. yeah. He wanted to keep things totally private with her and really protect her. And I think as well, again, you know, he's got that moon conjunct the IC. It's in the fifth house, but it's down in the roots of the chart there. So again, you know, he's someone who wants to keep his relationship life private. He wants to keep it out of the public eye. He wants to, to keep it separate from everything, and it's he's it's like pulled in these two directions of okay, you know, do I do what the family expectations do, um, or do I do what I need to do? And that very Torian. I'm just going to stick with my line and stick to it and not change easily. I do, you know, I know it's not a sign based conjunction, but the fact that Taurus is starting to play out in this uh, Uranus is starting to play out in this part of his chart. And this has been where a lot of the shakeup has happened. Uh, Archie has been born in the time since Uranus moved into that area of his chart. It's really shifting and changing how he does that moon in Taurus. So, yeah,
1: super juicy.
0: Uh, Cass, anything from you on Harry's chart before we segue no, into some timing?
1: I think it, yeah, I think you girls have so well covered the highlights there. So, you know, the major points and, um, you know, I guess, you know, another you know level that you we can take this, it's like, you know, with uh, Harry, his IC and the moon north node, they're all looking to Venus who's in rulership. Mm. So it does show, you know, he comes from a well-resourced family and he's, you know, in terms of... Um, you know, the emotional, uh, sorry, the relationship side of things. He's also got a fairly decently resourced partner as well. You know, she's quite established in her own right and, you know, Megan's, you know, was doing her own thing and worth, you know, a reasonable amount of money. So she wasn't, uh, you know, in in fall, so to speak. So, yeah, there's also got that beautiful Venus right up there in that 10th house too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So for timing, do we want to stay with Harry um, or do we want to switch back to Megan? What, which chart would you guys like to do timing on?
1: Oh, I, I'm either I
2: all. thought we were oh, going to have a quick should... look at their synastry as well, like just some okay. connections between the charts.
0: Okay, yeah, let's do that I... quickly because I know... Uh, We're like just having such great conversations that we're not fast.
2: (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay, so you guys go talk about that and I'll get the charts on the
1: screen. Okay, cool. Well, go (laughs) (laughs) I
2: Look, I've already pointed to that fact that both of them have the moon on the IC. You know, so that's one of the first things. They're both, when it comes to their emotional lives and the fact that their, you know, their moons play very strongly in their lives, you know, one of them has a Capricorn rising with a cancer descendant and the other one is the opposite. It's flipped the other way. So the moon is very strongly linked into who they are and who they want to be with. It's very private. You know, they, they don't want to be playing out in the media and especially for Harry, he's past, his mother The history with the media is not great. And so he's gone straight into protective mode when it comes to this and he's gone straight into, okay, I just want to pull myself in and pull my family in, pull my children in and be safe away from this media frenzy that can happen. Um, I kind of don't blame him. Yeah. And as well just the fact that her Mars sits on his Descendant, As, you know, she has. you mean? Uh, Megan's. Megan's.
1: Oh Megan's, sorry,
2: yeah, Megan's mars, mars sits on a yeah. descendant. Yeah. descendant. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: She has separated him, or the relationship she's had with him, whether, you know, we don't know the ins and outs, but the relationship she's had with him, the the end result is it's separating him. Initially, it separated him from a lot of his friends, and now it's separating him from his family. So, there is that severing effect of Mars that we're seeing on his intimate and close relationships. Um, and, you know, the people he's connected to in that way, and the fact that she is becoming the all and everything for him in that area of his chart.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Did you have anything to add in, girls, about the Sinistry? I'm yes. sure you've got lots.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a few kind of sign-based uh, conjunctions. You know, we've got his son, her Venus. Um, so that sort of is usually kind of a positive connection, um, you know, when you're working with relationships, you know, the the essence of who he is and the things that she finds aesthetic or um, attractive, you know, are kind of, you know, they're on the same frequency or on the same um, page, if you like. And then his Venus in Libra is you know right up there in her fourth house so you know he's you know you know in there with all of that sort of thing so mm. again you know we've got those kind of sign based connections which is showing that you know they're on the same page with things he's uh, his venus which is the ruler of um, his moon is there with her moon so when it comes to i guess the emotions or even some of the reactionary responses we can see that they're there's this feeling around it that they're like in this huddle and they're in it together um, and it's like us against them, you know, with all of this real tightness. We're not saying that every child is like that but this seems like to be how maybe it's a little bit playing out. They're like really on the same page with each other um, with so many things
0: totally i mean the venus i i see with the venus too it's quite close like harry's venus at 17 libra is quite close to megan's pluto
1: pluto yeah yeah at 21
0: libra and that's that sort of magnetic intense instant all-consuming totally transforming life-changing type of connection and yeah. in some ways, you know, their relationship did play out. You know, there was quite a quick progression from starting to date to getting engaged to, you know, they didn't yeah. waste any time, which may be kind of how normal average people do it, but is very different from how things tend to happen in the royal sphere, if you like.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. But
0: that speaks to some of that kind of very compelling Venus Pluto. Um mm. some of the other synastry links that caught my eye we've got um Harry's Saturn at 12 Scorpio makes a square aspect mm. to Megan's sun which is yeah. at like almost 12 Leo And that can put a real sense of like the cement or the glue that, you know, I I do like to see a satin contact by Sinistry because it does give some longevity. It can stabilize things. But it does bring a gravitas and it, you know, that what feels like, structure and safety and stability early in a relationship can sometimes feel a bit heavy or restricting the longer the relationship goes on. So, as much as it's generally helping with the binding, you know, committing sort of quality, it is something just to be aware of there The Saturn in Scorpio is is potentially containing the Sun in Leo, but does that sometimes feel like restraint or limitation? That would be Mm. sort of the question that I would explore if this was a a couple's client that I was working with.
1: Yeah, for
2: sure. And as well... I mean, you know, three degrees, you've also got Harry's Mars is square her Venus. Um, and I always like to see, you know, Venus-Mars connections in some sinistry as well. I mean, it could be a bit of friction, but it's that kind of friction that creates some chemistry. Um, and it's like in the working out and the trying to understand each other from those points of view. Uh, it keeps things fresh. It keeps things alive. It keeps the chemistry going.
0: Yeah, Venus Mars aspects are certainly good
1: for uh, <laughs> juicy sparks, shall we say. <laughs> Just kind of add a little bit of sugar on top to the Venus Pluto. Just intensifies it a little bit more, makes it a little bit more, um, you know, that forbidden fruit, I can't stay away and, Spicy. you know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Of, yeah. yeah. As I've said before,
2: we need friction for pleasure.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Love it. Um, I mean, a couple of brief other sinister aspects I'll just mention. We don't have to spend a lot of time interpreting them at all, uh, but just to point them out for our listeners. listeners. Harry's moon at 21 Scorpio, relatively in a tight opposition to Megan's Uranus at 26, Mm -hmm. sorry, 21 Taurus to 26 Scorpio. So that creates a relationship that has a revolutionary quality that's going to, you know, rock a few boats along the way. Um, mm. and then Megan's Neptune relatively close to Harry's Mars but even yep. stronger making a tight square aspect to mm. Harry's son so that sense of like giving things up or losing identity uh lots of compassion but also that sense of of a lack of clarity that can come out in a in a relationship
1: yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, I I call that a bit of a pedestal aspect. Often yeah. with Neptune, it's like putting a partner up on a pedestal and That's hoping a great it doesn't way. topple.
0: Yeah, and of course they always do, and it's just what happens when they do fall yeah. down. Um, or have feet of clay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So sh- for timing, is, is there more that either of you want to say on the synastry
2: no, nah, let's get on to the timing.
0: Okay. Do we want natal charts and just talk about transits and perfections to start? Do we want progressed charts? I know we probably should have decided that before we got on air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can draw the progress bits on. Um, sure. To maybe, yeah, keep yeah. it. Okay, let's, so let's keep going. Um, who wants to start? I mean, this is where it gets so juicy. <laughs>
2: um, well, Cass, you brought it up. I mean, it's the the progressed Mars on Harry's. Uh, So Harry's progressed Mars on Harry's ascendant, and the fact that that's opposite Megan's Mars sitting on Harry's um, descendant—that just speaks of all cutting things off to me and and pushing his way out of things. It's like the way he asserts things in many ways actually draws on her Mars. It's like because she's there, and it's like okay, I don't know. There just is this sense of the two Marses opposite each other, like. I just get this heat in in the connection between them and maybe they're spinning the wheels together and heating and inflaming things too much um, to a certain point. I don't know. That's just me pretending I'm a fly on the wall. Cass, what did you want to say about that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the ruler of his midheaven is now on his ascendant. So, you know, we could just encapsulate this quite simply, like I'm my career now. I am my mm. own life direction now. I'm calling the shots now, um, and you know, as the um, chart uh, contraceptive, like this may not be done in a in a way that is subtle, or a way that is um, you know the ideal way to do things is done. So we we can sort of see it at some level, um, you know the what appears to be sort of uh you know really cut and run or a cut and sever um and and sort of sudden as well so you know obviously in the pipeline for a while but uh as it's come up over the ascendant it's like boom you know i am just doing my own thing now so you know this is a rare transit it's not something that happens to everybody um and of course it doesn't always rules a rule like a sensitive degree like a mid heaven so you know this is going to really show uh, you know harry's career um taking on a new phase or a new direction as well you know this and, is uh you know sorry. him coming out of the shadow a little bit or maybe out mm. from you know um you know because you know coming up over that ascending degree um it's sort of like you know Uh, really infusing that energy of Mars in a really pure way because on the Ascendant here it's not interacting with a planet. So it's like he's perhaps getting hot under the collar or wanting to, you know, cut, sever and all of those sort of things and it's kind of what he's done. Um, So, yeah, interesting. I wonder if, like, that hadn't been a factor in his chart right now. Would it have, you know, uh, Events had rolled out the way that they did. So, yeah. Yeah. Your thoughts, Kel? Part?
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, the Progress Mars, I, I do find it very significant when any of the Progress planets conjunct an angle. Um, it's very good for the planet. So, Mars is now expressing and manifesting and showing up in Harry's life in a more obvious, clear, conscious way than it ever has before. Um, and we're seeing that. Um, I think the other signature that sort of speaks to the activation of Mars in the chart right now, Harry is 35 and so he's in a 12th house year by perfection. So yeah. his Time Lord is his Jupiter in Capricorn, um, which is a planet that is in fall. Um, so it's that, that sense of maybe adjusting to uh, potentially a loss of something, like a loss of support or a loss of resources or a loss of even, you know, prestige. And I'm, I'm not saying that's definitely what's happened, but we can see indications of, of having to be financially responsible for things that they weren't in the past, that type of thing. And I always find it very significant when someone perfects by age into a house that has uh, multiple planets and especially, you know, we've got Harry perfecting into the house that holds Uranus and Mars and Neptune and Mars and Uranus, as we've mentioned in other episodes, you know, both of those planets have these dramatic sort of shake-up, tension energies. So uh, we can really see that idea of, you uh, you know, not being afraid to make a shocking choice or change. Um, and with Neptune there, the qualities of having to let go or lose some things along the way. And mm-hmm. we've seen that a little bit in the negotiations with uh, Harry in the palace that, you know, they kind of wanted to keep one foot in the royal camp and then get their freedom too. But the the criteria that came down from the Queen was like it's one or the other, there isn't really a middle ground and Harry did have to let go of his military appointments, which I think was, was quite a disappointment and, and not his preference. So it's like that that need for the freedom that we've talked about in Harry's chart that's in the natal chart being spotlighted as a major theme for this year that he's 35 and, you know, what price is he willing to pay for that freedom?
2: Yeah. And, look, one of the things as well about that perfected Lord is the fact that he's having a Jupiter return. He's just had one. Um, and when he left the military was back in 2008, which was, you know, when he last had that Jupiter return and it's like now he's finding his whole new feet with something different, uh, something he's doing on his own again. So it's a sense of, okay, what is this new cycle? What do I need to do? What do I need to create with this? And the other thing too with having Mars in that house and everything we're saying about the progressed Mars, that progressed Mars rules his fourth house too, So there is a sense of, okay, I'm creating my own family right now as well, not just my own career, but my own family. And I'm separating out from the family that I'm already a big part of. So um, they're the two things I'd add to that.
0: Cass, any more that you want to throw in about Harry and timing?
1: Yeah, not at this level. (laughs) Oh, actually, yeah, maybe one other thing. Sorry. Um, Now I think he's uh, in the balsamic moon phase by secondary progression. So looking at the secondary progress lunar phase, um, so he is in a cycle of, you know, closure, completion, and, you know, potential loss or things being thin on the ground at the moment. And I guess, you know, as he progresses through lunar phases, you know, there is, um, you know, the moon is also the ruler of the seventh. So, um, Yeah, but there is, you know, generally speaking, this is, you know, when people go into the balsamic moon phase, they're they're ready to kind of shed the things that are, you know, not working for them anymore. They're ready to lighten their load or let go of things simply because they just don't have the energy perhaps to keep holding on to them. So now that he's kind of free of the royal family It's almost like now that Mars is like, oh, okay, you know, I can do what I want now rather than what I was born to do. Um, And the fact that his moon also is there with the IC, he has kind of let go of his family a little bit through a part of, of this phase. So, you know, and he might have to kind of like be in the dark a little bit as the moon is symbolically speaking right now. Um, So it may feel a little bit depressive for him. It may feel a little bit, um, you know, like finding his way again for a little while. Um, It's sometimes these things when we want to do something and then the reality bites and then it's like, well, this isn't kind of how I thought it was going to be. So we might even find Harry um, at some level uh, might lay low for a little bit before he kind of really gets his mojo on um, as, you know, a new uh, public identity i guess because did they actually get stripped of their titles i'm not sure what the update no. was so they still got their their, Sussex got their brine, so to speak
0: yeah um it's a little unclear exactly what they can do with them um mm. i do i like that balsamic moon phase cast because i do think there is that hermit energy and they are sort of pulling back in a certain way Uh, Neptune is squaring uh, Mars in Harry's chart right now as well. So just to add to the different levels of activation for Mars. And if we think about Mars as the career planet or the career ruler, Neptune to Mars is definitely a low-energy, lethargic cycle, but also a time of of great confusion and uncertainty. And mm-hmm. I guess I'm very curious, you know, this arrangement of of going to Canada for a while that's been made um, has sort of this 12-month review and renew option on it. And I'm very curious as to whether it is made permanent or whether it allows some of these, you know, need-to-take-a-break themes that are quite strong in Harry's chart. It gives them space for that and whether they, you know, it's almost like we're coming back after some of these cycles, like after Harry's not in a 12-house perfection, after Neptune's not squaring Mars, um, just to see whether we want to stay here uh, or it's not. It's like when the
1: fog clears a little bit, let's make more um, yeah. choices that we we can kind of, you know, no one, it's never good to make a choice with the Neptune influence So. Or... Yeah, Yeah. and Mars has had a little bit of time to marinate on the ascendant there too because, you know, this is an energy that isn't just the fly by the seat of the pants. It's something that's going to sort of play there um, for a couple of years. Cool.
0: Leish, anything more on Harry's timing? For you,
1: just
2: the just the fact that he's like any Capricorn (laughs) rising right now, and probably waiting for Saturn to move the hell out of Capricorn Um, and the South (laughs) Node as well. So you know, there has been that the last two years have been tricky and difficult, and he's faced challenges and tests. And what year did they get married, Kel? Twenty eighteen. Was it? Yeah, I was going to say,
0: but that's not last year. But it's not
1: nearly two years ago. Yeah, it was
2: just twenty eighteen. Yeah. 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 So, you know, this has all been in there. There's been a sense of responsibility and duty and, you know, what marriage brings in as part of it, but. But what's been connected with that marriage and everything that's had to happen, you know, he's he's had to face a lot of challenges and questioned a lot in the last, um, the last two years. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens when Saturn moves into Aquarius and how that plays out in his chart and, and what lifts up. So I think what we'll see in his chart over the next few months, especially um, in his life from, you know, March through to July, it'll be really interesting. It'll kind of give us a bit of an insight into what the potential is for the next few years for him cool so
0: timing for megan what are your girl's thoughts on this uh, you know <laughs> you go Kel, you go cas
1: well i guess one thing that really um stood out was you know, as i mentioned um harry's in the balsamic moon phase um and i'm pretty sure megan's in the full moon so from a lunar phase perspective, they're on really opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, so the full moon uh, phase often does, you know, heighten relationship, which of course is Cass, I it's think all about. she
0: might be in um, the one before the full
2: moon. So the gibbous
1: moon. The gibbous
0: moon, yes. Yeah, okay, I always forget so the name or, of that one.
2: Um, <laughs> No, but, I've got her. I've got her progressed sun at eleven degrees and her progressed moon at 11 degrees Leo. Her progressed moon at twenty two Aquarius. Her progressed sun.
1: Her progressed sun at, couldn't be at Leo. Um, you mean Virgo? Oh, sorry, no mm-hmm. Virgo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're yeah. right.
2: It is gibbous. I'm looking at the wrong circle. don't yeah. okay. <laughs> <No> worry.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, um, you know. Despite that, the gibbous moon is still it's very waxing. similar. It's still, yes, of course. It's still, it's got, completely yeah. opposite it's still got a massive load of light. And um, one of the analogies I often use working with people when they're in this phase, it's like when you're, I mean, you can relate to this one, She, you know, when you're out on, on the surf, right? And the gibbous moon phase is really like preparing for that wave to come in. And you feel that sense in the water change, you get on the board and you're paddling, paddling, paddling. So there's probably her, she's really like wanting to prepare for something. She's wanting to... Um, you know, maybe dot the I's and cross the T's in some part of her life where she really wants to reach up to that full moon and what that symbolises for her. So there is perhaps... Planning strategy, um, you know, I would you know to somebody who uh, didn't marry into the royal family, it might be like well, you know, is there something you have to go back and finish, or just do that one more course so you can get that qualification, so you can then kind of launch into that full moon phase. There is this essence of something about her needing to perfect or improve upon in order to get to the next level, you know, in that full spotlight, that full illumination. Um, that she will be reaching to in the full moon phase. So, um, and, you know, when she's in that full moon phase, it's really going to kind of, you know, be that sort of tension point um, and maybe a turning point or a culmination of something for her.
2: Yeah, I like that. I always call it like the understudy who's, you know, kind of getting ready to have the main role on the stage, but they've still got to learn the lines and do all of Mm. that. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah,
1: yeah. So maybe that's her voiceover role. Uh. (laughs) Who knows?
0: Megan also has um, her descendants at 24 Capricorn, which is where Mm -hmm. Transiting Pluto is starting Mm -hmm. to activate this year, very close to the Saturn-Pluto conjunction degree of January. But as we mentioned in our Year Ahead workshop, Jupiter will conjunct Pluto three times this year and two of those conjunctions will be at 24 Capricorn.
1: Yes. Mm. So yeah.
0: that sort of need to adjust the power balance in a significant relationship is a huge theme for Megan right now yep. which of course we're yep. seeing.
1: Um yep. and so she's 38 so she's in the, what a third house perfection this year.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and sorry
2: I until- just want to talk back to that quick point oh, as sure, well right. like this this was all announced right on that lunar eclipse at 20 degrees of Cancer back in January as well. So mm-hmm. there was that kind of really unexpected nature of this coming out, even though it had been stirring in the background, um, the, you know, that that eclipse really, that lunar eclipse which sat across her chart, uh, her ascendant, descendant, and, you know, the moon is so linked into who she is um, that, yeah, it was kind of this like, okay let's announce now let's just do this thing probably without thinking out from what we can see and having the conversations with the royal family that the royal family would have preferred
1: totally totally
0: cass you were going to say about being 38 and third house year
1: yeah so she's in a third house perfection year which turns on mercury in her Mm -hmm. birth chart um which is, I guess, you know, there's a bit of a duality there with how we could um, look at the position of Mercury. So technically, yeah, it is uh, combust the Sun, but the Sun is um, in its own chariot, so to speak, or it's, you know, um, in its the Sun is in its domicile there in Leo. So it kind of gives Mercury perhaps like a little bit of protection or a little bit of immunity um, from the combustion. So it's leaning into the sun in a pretty good state. So, um, this might also, you know, maybe get, uh, you know, Megan might come out of this perfection year, um, a little bit scathed, but not as bad as what it could be, um, with, you know, if this had have been the sun in a different sign, for example. So what are your girls takes on combustions when the sun you know, all the combusted planet is in its own sign.
0: Yeah, so there is a, I think there is a thinking in the Hellenistic tradition that when the sun is in Aries or Leo, Mercury is pretty, spared yeah. from, like Mercury specifically seems to be a little mm. spared from the, the effects of combustion. Yeah. I haven't totally seen that play out in practice, mm. but I do mm. know that it is It is part of the theory, part of the, the body yeah. of knowledge. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I think about this planet as Megan's Time Lord and I think about some of the almost inconsistent messaging that's coming out of the Harry and Megan camp, Mm. it does make me think there is a little bit of something skewy here um, because on the one hand it's we want privacy um, but on the other hand we're going to need to make our own money so we're going to have to have a level of exposure and it i'm not sure that they've quite grappled with it which i think is why the messaging sounds like they're saying one thing and doing another yeah uh, and i think this speaks a little bit to it um you know there are other planets in megan's chart that i think can give us a clearer picture without the complications and it'll be interesting when we can get one of those planets to Absolutely. to speak uh will be the perfected yeah. time lord um, yeah yeah.
2: Mm. Juicy, And juicy. also, also the fact that that Venus is being highlighted because it's in that third house. So the fact that that's so tied into their sinistry and it rules that fourth house there for her, you know, family is key this year. Family is important. And, and I do feel like in many ways, she is behind a lot of the messaging that has had to happen. It's like, not that Harry's in the firing line, but he was the one left to deal with the royal family while she went back to Archie in Canada. So it's like that behind the scenes thing that can happen with that mercury when it's combust, um, is, is playing out in that way too. Okay. Well you deal with your family and I'll just be back over here with our family, you know, um, in back in my neighborhood in, in where I'm comfortable in Canada. Totally, totally.
0: So the one, the final thing that I want to say on Megan's chart, and then I'll, you know, let we can wrap up, or if you girls have more, is um her progressed Venus is at twenty eight. 54 Libra right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And by January of 2021, that Venus is going to progress into Scorpio. And there's quite a strong dignity change for Venus. She's in rulership right now in Libra, and then she will be in detriment in Scorpio. And I'm just really interested to see what kind of change in the quality of her life or in the experience of her home environment. Does she get the privacy she wants because the ruler of the fourth is now in Scorpio? Um, What does she have to give up from a public perspective to facilitate that? But it is interesting that we've got a major change by progression of the ruler of the fourth and we are looking at this, like, relocation of countries' uh, storyline playing out. Mm. What else do you guys want to say on Megan's chart? I know we've done a longer than planned episode, but this all oh, away with two charts. <laughs> um, yeah, so anything that either of you want to add in here?
1: Yeah. Just well, on I that. Yes. L- Go on, Lishi.
2: <laughs> oh, just a quick one, just on that last piece you were saying as well there, Kel, um, the fact that. Venus will be moving into her fifth house. It will be moving into the house of its joy. So while it is kind of losing something in terms of um, moving into its detriment, it is moving into a house it's very comfortable in. So there is this sense of maybe having to do some hard work or work to, you know, when she starts to Play to her weaknesses and work on her weaknesses. That could be where she gets some real juice and some real
1: ability to shine. Cass, um, yeah, I agree with you. Like, you know, it could be kind of like a um, you know, like a bit of a trade off. I lose something, but I gain something else. Or, you know, but yeah, definitely. Like, just having the rule of the the force, just at a very simplistic level. showing that there's going to be some you know really significant change and perhaps a significant dip in status in whatever her home environment um you know brings her so again you know does she get what she wants the seclusion or is it you know um or does she end up you know back in los angeles and you know living that kind of life that she um also enjoys so yeah there'll definitely be some shifts and changes on the home front for sure is this another baby? Maybe. Could be.
0: <laughs> Lots of possibilities. <laughs> oh my God. Such a great deep dive on these charts. Anything else you guys want to say on these charts? Or do you want to share what you've got coming up over the next little while for our audience?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, what have you got happening? Lishi? Um, Anything in the pipeline?
2: No, I've got a webinar in the pipeline, uh, but not 100% sure on date or what topic it will be. So yeah, I will talk more. Yeah. Keep an eye on social media for the webinar that will be
1: next week. Cool. I'm still running my uh, beginners program, I guess, as you are as well, Kel. I am. I am.
0: Um, I'm just thinking I wanted to mention a couple of different things just because I know we might have listeners uh, watching this throughout the year. Um, at NORWAC coming up, um, which is a big astrology conference in Seattle at the end of May, I'm actually doing a one-day post-conference workshop called The Predictive Pot of Gold, Combining Transits and Progressions in Your Forecasting Work. So if anybody does want to learn a little bit more about some of the timing techniques that we've shared today, I'll be teaching on that in Seattle in May. Uh, yeah, anything else that you guys know that you're working on this year that you want to share with our yeah, audience
1: at all? Um, well maybe I'll save my juicy Megan Fedaria tidbits for my ISA lecture. Okay. <laughs> so, um yeah, at ISA in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, um in September um are delivering two lectures there and i remember that one is on the fedaria cycles where megan will be um, a feature um and so fedaria is an ancient persian timing technique um so that's one big thing um that's coming up uh in september this year and you're coming with us Lishi. you're coming Yay. to Esar too yes so yep. that's going
0: to be a super exciting event denver in september we're all going to be at a nostalgia conference together, which we've not had the experience
1: of yet. No, we haven't.
2: No, no we haven't. So It's going to be exciting. What, watch out, Denver, for all the water.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Leisha, is there anything <laughs> you wanted to share with the audience? I, I can't remember no, if you did that or not. No, just...
2: Just that that, um, I am doing a monthly webinar series this year. So if there are specific topics that you would like some deep dives within um, for me to explore, I will be doing something on out-of-planet transits and midlife midlife out-of-planet transits and how they can play out. And I'll also be doing something on career planets. Um, So, yeah, just keep an eye on my social media or subscribe to my newsletter list to be able to be part of all of those. Fantastic.
0: Fantastic. And then I know one of the things we want to do as part of our like extra episode each month is a Q&A episode. So if any of our listeners, if you're watching and you've got questions that you would like us to answer on a Q&A episode, definitely pop them in the comments below. And that way we'll have uh we'll be able to to give you more.
2: Yeah. So, so it'll be like a quick yes. five-minute, like snappy answer once a month. Fantastic. Uh, so I guess that's it for this week. It is. Or this episode. So I so hope everyone enjoys this, our first of these kind of masterclass deep dives. And, um, yeah, please leave your comments below, any thoughts you may have. And, of course, hit that subscribe button no matter where you are. Cass,
0: Something final from you?
1: Just I hope you enjoyed it and look forward to <laughs> catching you in the next episode. Just awesomeness. <laughs> All righty. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Bye, everyone. everyone. Bye.